Hi, welcome to the Wellness Doctors Podcast with Dr. Lorena and Dr. Vanessa. We are both medical doctors who talk about how to optimize health and well-being so that you can be empowered to make better healthy choices, enrich the lives of people around you and join us in the evolution of healthcare. Hi everybody. Thanks Hi. for tuning in today. Hi. Hi. So we've got Vanessa, myself, Dr. Lorena, and also a guest on our podcast, uh, Dr. Nicolette Ray. So, welcome, Nicolette. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So we were very fortunate um, to meet um, Nicolette or Dr. Ray. Um, I'm not sure how you would like to be called. Is it? Nicolette is fine. Nicolette, okay. So, so we're very fortunate to meet Nicolette um, through a common colleague and uh, we discovered that um, Nicolette is a lecturer at the Hong Kong University um, Medical School and she also has a background in nutrition and she's also a Reiki master. So since our theme of uh, Ananta Wellbeing is in exploring um, holistic therapies, we are always interested in medical doctors who have another interest, um, particularly in nutrition, but also in uh, energy medicine. So we're very, very um, excited to talk to Nicolette about her journey in health and as a doctor. Um, And also uh, to see how she um, came to 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 learn um, Reiki (laughs) so actually how I came about this was at my office which I share space with other psychologists there were a few name cards and I saw Dr. Nicolette Ray on there and then it said (laughs) Reiki master and there was you know, normally with a doctor you've got a lot of post-nominals and things like that and then I flipped the card around I was like there's nothing, but no, well, I think there is. That's why, oh, she's got the, you know, MRC, uh, um, is it MRC, MRC GP? Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it's all the titles with, you know, the member of the Royal College of something, this and that. And so oh, so she's a real medical doctor, but she's doing Reiki. I'm like, I need to meet her. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am a real medical doctor. Um, I trained as a family medicine doctor or um, GP in, in London. Um, and uh, practiced there for uh, quite a few years before um, heading to Hong Kong about 10 years ago. Um, and it's Hong Kong that's sort of, uh, and, and I continue my sort of conventional practice, as you mentioned, through uh, lecturing at, at the university. Um, but Hong Kong uh, kind of opened my eyes to um, some spiritual health, really. Um, I was always always interested in uh, emotional health um, as, a, as a GP um, and um, studied some nutrition at medical school as well. And, it, you know, it always made a lot of sense to me that our health was intimately related to how what we ate, how we moved our bodies, how we handled stress. Um, but I grew up in a completely um, sort of a religious um, or spiritual environment. Um, but uh, Hong Kong somehow has uh, has influenced me. Um, and uh, like many people, my healing journey, my journey towards Reiki started with my with my own illness. Um, Because about five years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, Graves disease, uh, which, as you both know, is an autoimmune condition that affects the thyroid, uh, where your levels of thyroid hormone went too high, 
So suddenly um, I was losing weight. I was having um, fast heartbeat for a prolonged period of time. I was just feeling very strange. Um, and uh, I, I actually sort of self-diagnosed myself, uh, went to the doctor, said I need my thyroid checking. Um, and uh, so went through the conventional route, saw a consultant, um, you know, who put me on uh, all the normal medication. But, you know, I said, Tim, are there, you know, is there anything I need to change in my diet? Is there anything else I can do? What about stress? And of course, he said, no, none, none of that's very important. Just uh, take the pills. Just take the pills, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I smiled politely and uh, went on my way. Um, and... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know doctors too well to argue with most of them. How did that make you feel? Because I think we shared a similar sort of thyroid work. Mine's under. But um, how did it make you feel when the doctors told you there's nothing you can do? I kind of ignored Or that there's nothing really needed to be done, you know? Um, um, I, I suppose I was, I, I didn't take too much notice. I, having studied nutrition um, and having um, uh, spent a lot of time looking at wellness and having spent a lot of time in the medical profession, I know that that's kind of the standard answer from an awful lot of doctors. Um, so I just knew that this was something I was going to have to look at my own. Um, and um, I, I started really with the approach of, of wanting to look at nutrition and diet. And I, I was doing a lot of uh, Googling, looking at um, who I can come and see um, in Hong Kong. Um, and um, it, I just happened upon um, the Shakti Healing C uh, Circle, which is um, a Reiki center in Hong Kong. And um, I cannot tell you why, but I just had this really strong sense of this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to go there. Um, and and uh, sort of nutrition was put on the back burner um, for a short term. And, and, and I, I went for Reiki. Um, and uh, so I had quite a few Reiki treatments. Um, I have to say I did employ nutrition as well. Um, I, I looked at that. Um, and uh, but my Graves disease came under control very quickly. Um, I was able to uh, reduce my medication, you know, pretty quickly. I, I took it probably for about a year in total, mm -hmm. but I was able to bring the dose down very quickly. Um, my autoimmune antibody levels came down. Um, and, um, and then I came off the medication and, you know, touch wood, I haven't had to go back on it. Um, so, um, that, that was my, my, my journey into healing in, into Reiki and, and, and consequently I then of course trained. So I'm now a Reiki master as well. Excellent. Wonderful. Um, that's quite a story. And I, I guess for like hearing you say that you understand the system and you weren't too upset by it kind of made me reflect on mine because I was quite upset <laughs> um, when I felt, you know, I, I wasn't given a lot of support. Um, and mine wasn't a, an overt disease. It was kind of subclinical. So what that means is that it, the numbers on paper don't look so bad, but I felt terrible. And that was the dilemma where don't look bad medication but you feel quite out of sorts and there was nothing really to support me in that aspect so for me it was a little bit different and obviously we had the opposite ends of the um the, the spectrum of thyroid issues but I, I have also other friends who've been diagnosed with graves i think at least two and one was i mean i don't know how true it is but her doctor said if you don't have your thyroidectomy 
um, then just stop seeing me. So it wasn't like it wasn't discussion; it was an ultimatum. <laughs> it's it's like, crazy. Oh my god! Yeah, it's 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 sort of like so one like single track minded about mm-hmm. the treatment. Yeah. Um, options here you, know, yeah. you have to do x y and z and i understand why there are protocols and standard um standard of care mm-hmm. but uh mm-hmm. i guess this is what why why we're here is to talk about you know options alternatives and what other things could have helped mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i mean i'm curious about what you did with nutrition um what did you find and what was helpful did you take supplements um, did you do anything that was non uh supplement based as well you mentioned reiki um, so in terms of nutrition, um, I mean, I think going back to your um, point, Vanessa, I think I was lucky. Um, my symptoms were fairly obvious. And as I say, I self-diagnosed it. I had a diagnosis within a, you know, a month. Um, and, and then I was go, able to go exploring. I think it's much tougher if you have, you know, weird symptoms, subclinical symptoms, um, and then all you get from doctors is a very negative approach. It's, I think it's much, uh, it's much tougher to be a patient in that in that situation. Um, I quickly came across, um, in terms of nutri- in terms of nutrition, I quickly came across the work of uh, Dr. Amy Myers. Um, who's written a couple of, um, I think, best-selling books, um, The Autoimmune Solution, Solution. Yes. And, and, yes. and then The Thyroid Ka- Connection. Kashimoto's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that was uh, the, 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 the main book that I, I went to. Um, and it seemed to me that, um, uh, you know, the two most common aggravating factors for autoimmune disease were dairy and gluten. Mm. Um, so for a while I went, um, you know, completely dairy and, and, and gluten free, um, probably for a good few months. Um, I, um, I didn't have to really cut out any other food. Um, I, you know, there's some people say you should cut out eggs and things like that. I, I didn't, it, for me, it was just dairy and gluten. Mm. Um, and I did take, uh, various supplements as well. Um, you know, looked at healing my gut, took, um, uh, probiotics um, took. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember. This is this is actually how well I've been. Is that I've actually kind of forgotten uh, and oh, sort of now, la- now lapsed on what's what uh, supplements I took. But um, you know, a, a, a good. I mean, she mentions in her book selenium. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, or, yeah, you, you can probably help me out here. But you know, all, all the sort of maybe some vitamin D. Maybe some yeah, yeah, vitamin D. Yeah, pro- yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, some uh, yeah, calcium, vitamin D. All, all those sort of common supplements I took. Um, uh, nothing fancy. Nothing fancy. No, it's just really standard. Get the basics right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've maintained what I would describe as a low dairy gluten diet. Um, you know, if I'm going out on a Friday and Saturday night, um, I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to worry about it too much. But a lot of the time in the week, um, I'll, I'll avoid um, those foods. Um, I suppose I'd read about um, gluten before. Um, so I'd already, um, I, I was already aware of the concerns and, and why there were concerns about it. Um, but you're absolutely right. I didn't do anything that fancy. Nothing, nothing. Um, um, but uh, but but I think um, the part that Reiki played was probably uh, going towards the stress side of it. Um, and uh, we had had a little bit of a, a stressful time previously. We'd moved to Singapore, 
And then um, my husband changed his job and we quite rapidly moved back to Hong Kong. So there'd been a sort of two year period where there'd been a lot of change. you know, and, and uh, I'm sure as many of your uh, listeners, especially those in Hong Kong, know traipsing from one country to another with kids and schools and stuff is, you know, isn't easy. Um, so um, I think, um, you know, Reiki played a part very much in in um, in stress and some. And I think the big the big thing with Reiki is is the and some bit, because I'm not sure that we really know exactly what it does um what they uh how it is described is that that it's a you know it's a healing a spiritual healing practice um where i as the practitioner place my hands on um on the on the patient's body at various um various places on the patient's body and uh what we're doing is that we are um channeling um, universal energy um, into the into the patient, um, and uh, I guess that's what it says on the tin. That's what it says on the box. What we're really doing in reality, um, you know, if I put my sort of more scientific medical hat on, um, I'm not sure anybody fully knows. Um, but it certainly um, induced uh, induces in me a, a quite a deep state of, of relaxation, and we know that when you're very relaxed, your body's more able to heal. Um, I can certainly feel, you know, particularly when my thyroid was playing up, I can particularly feel the energy going into my thyroid, um, and I and I find that even today, um, I think one of the things that we're taught um, as medical doctors is your thyroid is either normal or it's too high or it's too low. But one of the things I've come to understand is that you know we are constantly changing organisms, and our thyroid is probably reacting to that. Um, so if I have a, a you know a, a period of stress, a period when I'm tired, when I've perhaps eaten the wrong things. I might start to sometimes feel a little bit shaky or, or, or just feel a little bit out of sorts. And, um, you know, once again, I can do Reiki on myself there and feel the energy um, going into my thyroid area. Yeah. So actually, what's the origin of Reiki? Reiki um, was, uh, is supposed to have come from a... Um, uh, from a guy called Master Yasui, who was a Buddhist monk working in Japan. Um, and the story goes something like he was meditating on a hill, trying to find enlightenment. And then, and then suddenly he had this feeling of, um, of uh, you know, a huge energy going through his body um, and was given um, some sort of uh, almost Japanese or Chinese characters along with this, this energy um, that he then um, found, you know, when he, when he came down from the hillside, he, he was uh, able to pass this energy on to other people, and he was able to then train them to pass energy on. Um, so, so that's where it originates from, and, mm. and there's quite a strong lineage of, of, uh, of, uh, of Reiki training that you, you, know, you have to be trained by a master, and this, and this, this training is passed on. Um, mm. I'm just googling uh, it. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting. Um, apparently, it's first recorded in year one thousand and one from like a Japanese um, like word 
meaning mm-hmm. it's, it's a mysterious atmosphere or miraculous sign mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. combining the soul and the vital energy. So mm-hmm. I guess that also translates into Chinese uh, lian qi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, qi, qi uh, represents energy like qi yeah. represents energy. Yeah. It's an interesting um, modality because um, when I look, look through Reiki and I, I often use a reference um, book called The Guide to Evidence-Based Integrative Medicine. And so Reiki is classified as an energy medicine. Um, so it's Qigong. And so they've actually looked at the clinical trials that involve using utilizing Reiki for pain and fatigue particularly in cancer patients. And they've concluded that um, 11 of the 12 studies reported benefit from this type of therapeutic touch. So, you know, if I was somebody who had gone through conventional medicine, um, being through the whole series of tests and and, and therapies, you know, I'd I'd be looking at what else can I integrate into uh, my well-being and my health. Um, just rather than just looking at that particular organ, but what else could there be? And I think this um, uh, this this type of um, therapy, I feel um, there's very little side effects. <laughs> That's one of the beauties no, no of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. yeah. And so, any kind of new therapy, I tend to approach it with um, you know a few criteria: is it is it safe? Um, is it does it have effectiveness? Um, is it relatively um, economical? Um, yeah, and is it is it logically sound? <laughs> so I, I know that we don't always tick all those boxes, but um, I think it does tick majority of those those three boxes there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you rightly <laughs> say. Um, I mean, I think one of the best things about Reiki is that there are no known harm. Um, so you know even if you are uh, a little skeptical, and I you know I understand that skepticism. Um, uh, you know, it's nice to know that um, we're not able to to, to do harm. Um, and, you know, the research around Reiki is limited, um, mm. but it does tend to support um, uh, treatments for um, you know, tr- healing that involves stress, that involves pain, um, that those kind of healings um, are, are particularly good. Um, and, I, you know, I found that to be the case on uh, patients that I've treated and, and on myself mm-hmm. as well. Mm. And do you find um, any difference in their response based on whether or not they believe that they're going to get better or if they're just neutral or is, is there sort of any difference in your experience? Like do people have to believe in the treatment or can they be skeptical and still benefit from it? I'm pausing it's a um uh what is what is said about Reiki is that we as a practitioner deliver it to the patient we have no control over how they take it um or indeed where that energy will go so somebody might come to me and say you know they've got knee pain can I treat their knee and I'll be putting my hands on their knee and they'll be feeling it in their foot or something you know so so how a person receives it um uh, I don't have any control over um it seems that even when people I think people are more likely to feel it if they're more open to it but um even those who are 
relatively skeptical sometimes they feel it and sometimes those who are very open to it don't feel it initially mm. um, I do find when people have multiple um, treatments they it's like their body opens up to the energy they they get used to it they their body kind of understands it and and, and they do um, uh, they do receive it better then mm. can I circle back and ask a rather basic question because I mean um Nicolette has done Reiki on me a couple of times, so I kind of understand the process a bit. But maybe for some of our listeners who's not uh, had Reiki before, not familiar with it, uh, what's, how do you do it? Like, how do you normally do it? I guess there are multiple ways, but um, could you just walk us through, you know, what happens in a session? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's very simple. Um, uh, you, a, a, a person comes in, they can be lying on a bed, they can be sitting on a chair. Um, and um, they remain fully clothed um, and we ask them all, all the person has to do is, is sort of lie back and, and relax and, and try to be open to the energy um, and then I as a practitioner will um, place my hands um, very lightly on their body at various places I usually start um, up at the head around the eyes and the ears um, working down over the chest, um, abdomen, down to, to down to the knees and the feet. Um, and then sometimes some patients like to have their back reiki as well, so I'll, I'll get them to turn over and I'll reiki the back as well. Um, but that is really all, all it entails. Um, and then afterwards you're supposed to drink lots of water you know, to help the healing. Um, but from your perspective, what's going through your mind or what are you feeling? How are you responding to that energy? Can you describe a little bit? So I am, um, uh, as I'm putting my hands over people, um, I'm, I start to get a sense of the energy. I can often feel the energy in, uh, going flowing into the person. Um, when it, um, uh, I, I, I'm sort of trying to get in a kind of meditative state. And um, there are these Japanese characters that were passed down to Master Isui. You're also going through them in your mind, um, and there's uh, and uh, there's little phrases that you say. Um, and um, uh, but 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 I'm just having a sense of energy going into people. When that energy is strong, it almost feels like magnetism. It's like my hand is being attracted to a uh, various part of their body, and it's almost like I. I it's it's harder for me to lift my hand away from them um uh so so that's uh yeah that's that's what i'm feeling um yeah yeah how did you how did how did you experience it yeah i was gonna say maybe i can share a little bit so we did three sessions and two were uh by distance uh one was in person so going back to the one in person i was lying on a my freudian chair uh, as one as one does, um, and then I just felt you very gently putting your hands from my head down, you know, working your way down, um, and I think at some point I sort of fell asleep, um, which you said is quite normal because people are very <laughs> relaxed, um, and I because I've just had um, cervical spine or neck surgery, um, I guess it it sort of felt I can't I mean it, like you said you don't feel anything specific it's not like a tingling sensation or you know, any electricity kind of feeling, but it just felt very soothing um, with that, especially when you could feel the warmth of your palms as well. Um, and then you said something which was quite, quite interesting. You said, oh, there might be something with your knees because you can feel the energy being drawn to it. And then I asked you, 
it's sort of like a testing question, like which knee? <laughs> and you said the right one. I'm like, yeah, that's my problematic mm-hmm. knee. And that, mm-hmm. I found that very fascinating. You could feel mm-hmm. that. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm just feeling a greater sense of energy uh, in, in that knee. Um, yeah. And then the two times we did by proxy. Um, so I guess, you know, if, for people out there who don't, may not be um, as familiar with energy, I guess what you ex- explained to me was you can kind of send energy kind of across time-space continuum. <laughs> yeah, my, it's a bit Star Trek. It's a bit, it is a bit Star Trek. Actually, uh, related to Star Trek, my, my interest in energy healing actually started when I ended up giving my 13-year-old son a physics lesson. Um, and he was he was at the time um, studying the anath- the um, structure of an atom, um, and and I had you know forgotten this from my uh, science lessons, um, and so we, we we looked at it together, and you know he was he was not very interested at all, but I suddenly became fascinated by the concept that when you get down to the basic structure of an atom, um, you know when you start uh, looking at what a, at an electron you actually find that electrons are very difficult to study because ultimately they, um, they behave somewhere between a, a particle and a wave, or, you know, more like energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that means that of the fundamental structure of an, of an atom is, is in fact, uh, you know, energy. And we are, of course, made of atoms. Every, you know, so, so um, you know, that made me think that, you know, we are ultimately just energy if if our most fundamental basic particle is energy then what are we but but energy um and you know that i i uh i i did this physics lesson when um you know when i'd also started yoga and of course you know in yoga they're talking about energy you could i often could sense um at the end of a yoga class the energy was the energy of the room was was much better than at the beginning um you know, you you can you can be with people and sense um, a calm energy or, or a disruptive yes. energy. So, um, so so this um, this this sort of um, intrigued me to the area of energy, and uh, you know, I'm I'm now sitting in one part of Hong Kong, and you guys are sitting in your offices in, in somewhere else in Hong Kong. You know, and what the the main thing that separates us is 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 air, and air is of course just atoms, and you know, atoms are energy. So, um, we are connected by by energy. So, so you're you're right in saying that I have you know I've sent you distance Reiki, where so you know, and all I'm doing again is just imagining your body, imagining sending energy to you. Um, and, you know, again, with my medical, Western medical hat on, this sounds crazy. Um, <laughs> but, well, you, t- you, t- you tell, you, you know, you say what you experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And the two times that we did distance Reiki was very interesting because the first time Lorena was with me mm-hmm. and it sort of helped me ground myself a bit more because she had her hand on me. I had some weight on me. Um, she put her hands over my, my forehead and my neck. Uh, this was the day right after surgery as well. And you said afterwards that you could feel I could um, receive the energy a lot better. And then the second time I was just at home and I was just lying down by myself. And as usual, my mind is going at 100 miles an hour and I was being distracted by my own thoughts. And it was really hard for me to focus for you know, a longer period of time. And you kind of commented that you know I wasn't as receptive that time. So it really made me think that you know, you could feel what I was going through. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting for me to mm-hmm. learn that. 
Yeah, I could, I could sense one time you were taking it and then another time you weren't. Um, and, you know, I think, I think we are dealing with, in Reiki, we are dealing with something universal. And I think um, the training to be a, a, a Reiki practitioner um, enhances your ability to feel this energy. But I don't think it's um, somehow um, just there for special people. I think I think we all have it. So the fact that Lorena also had her hand on you, and you know, I suspect that in, you know she was also somehow you know being able to channel the energy, and and you know we were we were kind of giving you this energy, positive energy together. Yeah. I also have to admit that my interest in energy medicine actually started when I went to a conference in Australia and um, it was actually about cardiology and using nutritional medicine and other holistic therapies for heart disease and hypertension. And I came across this particular uh, cardiologist who actually talked about something which um, perhaps we are now discovering more about, which is heart rate variability. And um, so I learned that heart rate variability could be a potential marker of how well our body is able to adapt to stress. Um, and so, so what, what it is to the audience is that um, our, our hearts beat not like a metronome, but actually it does have an irregularity to it. And we now know that these electrical impulses um, that we're recording in, in our heartbeat um, can correlate with the balance between sympathetic and parasympathetic response, which is our fight or flight or rest or recover response. And what was interesting to me was that she went on and said that um, there's a large proportion of people who have heart attacks who also have a lot of anger and and stress. And and they looked at the correlation. And then she then went on to say that there's actually a biofeedback um, modality that can be utilized where the person actually is looking at the um, heart rate, they're measuring the, the, the heart rate and the variation, the HRV, and then they actually are in trying to have or trying to imagine things that will give them positive emotions. And so that was the kind of first, my first experience of how our emotions can affect our physiology. And we knew this, but we just didn't know what we could use to gauge whether or not we're having the emotion that actually benefits us and so then I purchased this um, particular device called biofeedback and I started using it I was very skeptical I thought oh what's the point of this It's like a breathing exercise (laughs) until I discovered that if I just did regular breathing it didn't make a difference but then when I started imagining um, situations or experiences where I felt energized or happy or uh, creative, it started to actually shift um, the the graph on this device. And I thought, wow, this is really amazing. <laughs> and so, so I started looking into the research behind this and the, and the paper behind this. And I think there's actually an article on how um, this emotion affects heart rate variability is published in the American Journal of Cardiology. And I thought, why are we not getting our patients to try some of this for stress management? It's, again, it's, it's a harmless device. There are no side effects. <laughs> the worst thing is it doesn't work if you don't do it correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I actually had this experience uh, where I was by proxy, I was trying to tune into the positive um, feelings that I had learned from utilizing this biofeedback. And um, of course, I'm not trained like you are, um, but I do have this innate, well, I do sense that we all have this innate ability um, to, to tap into some of these um, energies or, or, or feelings. 
Yeah, I would I would agree. And um, visualization was something I also used with my um, with my thyroid disease. You know, when when I was giving myself Reiki, I was also imagining my my thyroid. You know, healing, being lit up with light, and you know, and and just and healing. And, you know, and likewise when I when I give uh, uh, Reiki, when I when I gave it to Vanessa after her surgery, I'm imagining things healing you know the, the the various tissues healing and and of course it helps to be a doctor knowing the anatomy that I really can <laughs> try and imagine um my um uh, this is uh, entirely anecdotal but uh my my father-in-law um had a a um a, a very bad um heart attack uh, several years ago um this is this is one of many heart attacks he he had um and he has had over his lifetime and we thought we were going to lose him um, and his heart was so weak um, that the um, the hospital where he was in, in, in Kent, in England, put, had to put in, in an aortic pump, um, which uh, if, for the listeners is a, is a, is a pump that's, that's placed into the main artery in the body that helps, um, to, to, that helps the heart maintain pressure when the heart is just too weak to, to, to do that. Um, and if he hadn't have had this pump in, he would have died. And then he was transferred up to uh, Guy's and Tommy's Hospital in, in London. Uh, and he, um, he, he needed uh, angioplasty, um, where they put a catheter into the, into the coronary vessels and open them up. Um, and um, because his arteries were so blocked and he's had this done so many times, um, it took three attempts for them to, to succeed with angioplasty. So he had to lie in bed with an aortic pump um, in him for uh, about seven days. Now, an aortic um, pump is inserted through the groin. Um, so he had to lie in bed um, with at least with his right leg um, completely straight. He couldn't, you know, he could hardly move. He, you know, he couldn't get off the bed or anything, um, which, you know, in, in a in a cardiac care ward where there are beepers, where there's a lot of stressful environment as well. Um, and um, when, uh, you know, within, you know, several hours of this, he was already asking for paracetamol for back pain and things. Um, and, and, and I arrived and, and, you know, the whole time that we were with him, I was just giving him Reiki. I just, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm able just to kind of um, put my hand on somebody now and, and feel the energy flow, even if I'm not sort of fully concentrating. Um, and he... Um, he stayed extremely calm, which is not his natural personality. He is quite a type A um, sort of personality. And he, by the way, is somebody who um, is a very sort of um, intelligent, intellectual man who wouldn't before would not have really been open to Reiki. But I think he was open to anything at this point. When you're desperate, anything goes. <laughs> yeah, anything, yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I sat by him at his bedside for, for the best part of the week, giving him a, a lot of Reiki um and uh you know he it calmed him so by you know after quite a short while he would be calling for me if ever I wasn't there please I want my Reiki because it would just help, <laughs> wow. help him sleep help him keep calm you're like dad I'm home I can send it to you by, you know, by distance <laughs> no no he wanted me by his side um and um uh uh yeah, I was by his side enough so much that the nurses ended up thinking I was his wife. But anyway, that's another that's another story. Um, but uh, yeah, I ended up giving him a lot of Reiki, and um, uh, he he remained calm. He didn't need any more paracetamol for backache, despite lying absolutely flat for seven days. 
Um, and the nurses on the coronary care unit said they'd never seen somebody stay as calm with that with this aortic pump um, for this period of time. That most people would be very distressed having it in that long and you know not being able to move. So. Mm. Um, did you see, you know, if his blood pressure and his heart rates and all those things normalized or, you know, they, they calmed down when you did Reiki, if he asked for you, it'll go up kind of thing. Was there any objective markers? Um, I wasn't looking at heart rate variability. Um, I think the blood pressure um, was more, was calmer, was more steady um, when he was taking it. Um, and, and this was another circumstance where I was using, um, uh, again, guided visualization um, to, to, to imagine his, his coronary arteries opening up. Um, now, I can never know um, how... Uh, I, I can never know what difference that make. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not arrogant enough to say that. And <laughs> and obviously, it was the surgery that made the biggest amount of difference, and that's what he needed. But you know, he's still. You know, this was good three, four years ago, and he's still going strong. Um, and he, uh, you know, he certainly wasn't at the time. So. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I it didn't replace his treatment, but it actually made the process um, bearable and it improved his quality of life during that time absolutely and um i think and, and you mentioned that it's something that people can learn to do on themselves yeah. so that's that's really uh, interesting too um because i did have an, a, a patient of mine who um had a, a small cell lung cancer mm-hmm. and so she she actually went and discovered reiki and felt the difference in terms of her energy and her sleep um, mm-hmm. When someone actually a practitioner had had helped her and had did did this to her, and she became so convinced or or really found so much benefit from it that she's decided to learn it for herself and for her own healing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I've known I've known her for five years. Touch which she's in uh, remission. Nothing has recurred, and she still practices. And when I see her, she's enjoying it a lot. And she uses it for various different types of stresses in her life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've, I've just heard a lot of great things about that. Yeah, I mean, you you can take uh, that there are three levels of, of Reiki training. Um, the third level gets you to, to master. But if you just take um, the first level, um, you can then practice on yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'll I'll give a a plug to the Shakti Healing Circle. They're 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 absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Um, you can do Reiki one in one day. Um, you know, and then you can, as I say, you can you can treat yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the more you practice, the stronger you'll get. But you'll still, right from the beginning, notice benefits. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I I find I find it's a a, a fantastic kind of pick me up. If I'm feeling tired, I'll go and give myself Reiki for half an hour. I feel like a different person. Um, and um, I also find that it's uh, one thing that's very interesting is that you, you know how you can just have a bad day and you can be feeling grumpy and you know, everything, everything's going wrong. Um, and and uh, it has this amazing ability to just rebalance. You, you give yourself, I, I can give myself Reiki and suddenly the world feels like a better place again. I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's all good again. So, um, it's a great reset and it does bring this sort of um, theme that um, we, I kind of covered or we, we try to cover before is self-care for healthcare practitioners because we all um, have to take care of other people. We're all in service and trying to solve all this, other people's problems and we take on a lot of that energy. Sometimes people turn up and they show up in a very 
um, conflicted or very uh, angry, frustrated states, and even it might not it's not necessarily directed at us, but it's it's part of their lives that they bring to us. And when we're actually integrating um, what we're doing with a lot of lifestyle therapies, we do need people to be in a state where they, they're calm and that, that journey with the practitioner and, and the patient is a positive one. And it's interesting because I, I read um, some of the researches and articles about chronic disease and they actually looked at the empathy of doctors <laughs> and um, how if you have diabetes but your doctor is more empathetic, you actually have a better outcome. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we foster that sense of empathy and compassion when we're not actually able to give it to ourselves so i think this also is really aligned with um the the, the fact that even as doctors we're professionals but we're also human beings first and foremost and how do we take care of ourselves and who are what are the methods and strategies uh, that we adopt and it's different for all of us, we, we all have different things that work for us and we've adopted into our lives and made, made it a habit um, so that we don't have to think about it anymore. It just becomes something that we go to um, when you're feeling tired and need more energy. Um, Reiki is for you. For, for me, I, when I need to pick me up, I need to stand out, walk out the door, whether it's five minutes, and then that gives me a reset. So if we can find something that um, we can fit in easily, it's, it's a habit that we create. Um, I think we can be there for our patients um, in a in a more mindful way, um, and and have help help create better outcomes. I, I think we have to incorporate some of that as well. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And this is you know this is what we spend quite a lot on of time on uh, at the university with the medical students, mm. you know, trying to encourage them also to think about you looking after themselves because you're absolutely right. You can't look after patients endlessly without looking after yourself and uh yeah i certainly wish i'd uh, known reiki in my junior doctor <laughs> doctor out doctor years and all those horrendously long hours uh, would have been helpful and yeah. i think also the culture as well because a lot of the time these days um being busy and not sleeping um it's rewarded and applauded as oh hard work but actually, are we we're not necessarily sending the right message because if people show up to service other people and they're tired and they're angry and they're upset, that's not a necessarily the best environment um, to, to be in. And also it affects other people, colleagues uh, around us as well, the people that we work with. And then it creates this um, sort of silence around the, the stresses that we actually endure and go through. So I just wanted to really help people understand that even as doctors, even though we know all this knowledge, we still need to practice um, being humans. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm 100% behind you. Um, and, and in fact, uh, Vanessa, Vanessa came and helped me uh, teach at the university last week. And this was again a discussion that we were having. You know, it's it's, it's insane that you put young, in, you know, experienced, inexperienced doctors. Um, in, in environments where they're working extremely long hours, when they're tired, um, you know, mistakes are going to happen inevitably. Um, but health systems around the world are doing that. It's not just Hong Kong. Mm. Um, mm. So, uh, and, and I, I think, uh, you know, opening up the discussion that, yeah, working really hard is not always the right way to go. There's, you know, it's, it's perhaps we, as you as you rightly said, perhaps we wouldn't shouldn't reward it quite as much as we do. Um, it's 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 not good for those that we treat as doctors, and it's certainly not good for our own health. Mm. 
Well, I was just going to say that I'm really looking forward to being a part of that process of helping young medical students understand that, you know, even as doctors who've been in practice for so long, um, the the challenge is still trying to find and fit in that self-care, but also role modeling it so that, you know, we, we are actually connecting with people as human beings and, and not just experts um, in our field. Yeah, I agree. Vanessa, sorry, you were going to, uh, um, Vanessa, you were going to say something. Uh, no, I, I was just um, going to say about the medical humanities uh, tutorial we did. Um, it was my first one to do for the University of Hong Kong, which is my alma mater, but we didn't have these classes back then, you know, a couple of decades ago. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's really good to have them because, you know, if you're in your early 20s, you may not have the life experience to understand that you have been granted the power to treat or decide someone's fate um, in a medical sense. Um, and it's not just about delivering the treatment. It's about how you deliver it. As it's not, you know, my personal experience with, um, you know, having a disease or, you know, not being well for a couple of years kind of taught me that when you're on the other side of the doctor's clinic and being a patient, you know, how does that make me feel and how I want to be treated? And I remember actually there was one doctor that managed to make me cry. Uh, it was that distressing for me to be treated in a way that I, I didn't feel heard or supported. And I vowed to myself that I will never do that to someone within the, the best of my ability. Um, yeah, and that's really made me more open-minded to other kinds of um, treatment modalities because if someone believes in it, who am I to say it doesn't work? You know, uh, I don't know everything and there are things out there that work for different people. So I think going forward as a practitioner, being open-minded to different types of um, modalities and also, I mean, I think I, I said in the tutorial class, like imagine if this was your relative or your best friend how you how would you want to treat them as opposed to oh you know this is just a diabetic neuropathy we're going to chop off the leg <laughs> yeah. um, or the patient doesn't want to agree with my treatment um, he or she must be wrong I must be right so I'm going to push for it mm -hmm. um, so hopefully these classes will incept these concepts and when it comes to the time for them to make these decisions that they will be able to remember what they have heard and experienced from other people and be better doctors. I hope so. I hope, you know, I hope it'll allow them uh, to look after themselves um, so that they can look after others. Um, it would also, uh, it, it would be also, I, I think it's also important, um, as you rightly say, that we keep that we keep an open mind I think as doctors we're trained in this sort of evidence-based approach that everything has to have a, 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 you know evidence but ultimately our role should be to to heal and if we are healing um, and not hurting um, then you know perhaps we could be a little bit more open to to how that happens um, to the different modalities that that we that we use, even if even if that they, even if we don't fully understand them and we don't uh, and we can't and we don't have the evidence behind them. 
Yes, uh, and I think we have to, even though after medical training in medical school, I think staying curious um, about what we do and how to help people is really important and to never lose that curiosity because we're discovering more and more, we're learning more and more. Things that used to be out, sort of not accepted is, is now accepted. So, you know, as we're learning and as we have the technology to measure some of these things, I think we're starting to realise that what we thought maybe 50 years ago don't really apply now. What we think now is going to be outdated in probably another 10 years' time. So I think it's an ongoing learning process for anyone who's in the health industry. Um, and, um, yeah, I think it's being humble about our skills mm -hmm. and what we can mm -hmm. offer. Mm -hmm. So. It's been a pleasure having you, Nicola. It's been really good to chat to you about this and it's really opened our eyes to what Reiki is and how you've incorporated it into both your personal life, uh, helping people around you and also, um, yeah, being open-minded and, and being part of this wellness movement. Thank you. It's been a pleasure being on. So thank you for having me. <laughs> Great. So thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thank you. Bye. 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 Cool. That was awesome. I only had to cut out one little bit. You can find us at anantawellbeing.com and follow us at anantawellbeing on Facebook and Instagram. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star review to help other like-minded people find us. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and is not intended to treat or diagnose any medical condition. This podcast and its producers disclaim any responsibility for adverse effects that result from the use of this information. Opinions of guests are their own and are not endorsed by this podcast. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions. We do not make any representation or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Both producers and guests may have direct or indirect interest in the products and services mentioned. If you think you have a medical condition, please consult a licensed physician.